Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of 1% Better. I'm Stephen Holder. I'm here with Zach Kiefer. But enough about us. It's not about us today. We have a guest. So we're sharing our platform, so graciously sharing our platform here uh, with a guy you may have heard of before. Um, Zach, this guy, he's all right. He's all right in my book. Um, tell the people who we have today, Zach. Yeah, one of the good guys, one of the all-time favorites from my end in terms of talking to guys in the locker room, Colts running back Naheem Hines. And this sounds crazy to say this, Colts fifth-year running back Naheem Hines. Wow. Part of that stellar 2018 draft class. He's like the old man in the room now. Marlon Mack has gone. JT's coming up, but you still got him by a couple of years. Um, when I say fifth-year running back, does that sound crazy to you? Yeah, it does sound crazy. Um, Actually, we had a walkthrough yesterday, and uh, my coach didn't have any of the coaching points, and I did everything right. And he was like, I love when you guys just go up there and just be right with all the details. And my exact response was, man, I haven't been here five years for nothing. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been uh, – I can't believe it's been this long, and I'm, I'm young but old, so it's been interesting. Did, did you ever think – you like have a, a lengthy NFL career. Like I know as a kid, everybody dreams about that kind of stuff. But then as you get older, you, you start to at some point realize how hard that is, right? To stay around. I mean, right. just is, do you marvel at that at all? Uh, I think I'm supposed to be here. And every day I wake up and thank the Lord, like for allowing me to do what I love every day. But uh, me being here five years, uh, I thought, I think uh, obviously the hardest thing is, it's easy to get here, but the hardest thing is to stay. And I think uh, just for the my my unique skill set and things like that, I think um, as long as I can just keep doing what I'm doing and getting better, hopefully I'll be able to stick around. I definitely don't think of you as an older player, even though you've been here five years. And we talk about the average career being two to three years. I It feels like you're just tipping the iceberg on what you could do. And we'll get into that in a minute. But, you know, we, we talked a lot about this. You're a fifth-year player right now. If you could talk to yourself as a rookie coming in in that 2018 class, what would the fifth-year Naheem Hines tell the rookie Naheem Hines about what is coming up? Mm-hmm. Probably tell him, I'll probably tell him to slow down and just enjoy the ride. And uh, honestly, that every day isn't as bad as you think it is as long as you don't make it that bad. Um, you have to have a short memory here. And I think that's really the biggest thing. If you have a bad day here, don't let it go to the next day because – Really, the last day doesn't matter because you put it behind you, you watch the film, and once you watch that film, you have to have a quick memory and flush it, and flush it away. So I think that's what I would tell them. Nothing lasts forever, and uh, every day is a new opportunity. Didn't you have, like, drop issues that first year, right? You remember that? Uh, we were talking yeah. about that? Well, I don't know. We, yeah, I mean, we yeah, I remember, characterize I it that way, right? Yeah, I remember. Sure. I remember. See, I, even back then, I remember even thinking about it and, like, even the, all everybody talking about it and what did I do? I muffed a punt. It was kind of bad luck. Like, honestly, it was, I muffed a punt. Um, I got the ball back. Then, uh, actually, I went to 
I actually went to get away from the ball, and the ball bounced and hit me. And then in the next game, I fumbled. So it was just bad. But unfortunately, that's what happens when you're a returner. It just happened to me kind of fast. Right. And, and I think and you that learned. Short memory like, came into play there, is what, is what I'm saying. That's right. good. Uh, honestly, I wish it would have came in better because, I, I mean, obviously, it was hard. Obviously, when I was young and I was younger and trying so hard. And even just like in a locker room and just like hearing people talk about her, like waking up every day and having a sing Twitter, Instagram, it was really annoying. But you, you, learn how you to said you, you, you jumped off social media. You just like, yeah, well, like I'm going to get away from that. I think that's a, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't a fun period in your career, but I'm sure it was a good lesson early on because that can be toxic for a lot of players. If that stuff seeps into your mind. That that is probably the exact reason I am where I am because uh, honestly, most of the people that said stuff about me, I remember it and I highlighted it and screenshotted it. So it's probably where we are to, where we are today. When people talk junk about me, I don't hold grudges, but I do remember. So like all the people that are talking bad about me and all the people were like, "Oh, when I can't return a punt," oh, best believe I still remember it, and that's probably where we are where we are today. Nice. So let's talk about the draft briefly. Not this draft, but your draft. Uh, you you get the call. Um, obviously it's a huge day in your life. What do you, what's like the defining memory for you of draft day since, you know, it's that season figured we talked about mm-hmm. my draft experience is interesting. I had a, so for my agent and uh, my agent from a lot of people, I, we had good intel that I would probably be like, you know, third round top 100 pick. So I had a draft party, you know, that night I played Fortnite and didn't get drafted. So I, I remember the next day, you know, uh, I didn't even do anything. I, I actually was in my pajamas and I was folding up clothes. And actually, I didn't have the TV on. And uh, my sister told me Indianapolis number was calling. It happened to be the Colts. Um, I talked to Chris Ballard, who was the general manager. Uh, and then I talked to Frank Reich. I didn't know who Frank Reich was at the time because, you know, he had just left Philly, his offensive coordinator. And uh, I was excited for the opportunity. I remember uh, coming here and uh, thinking I was going to be in, be in, go to Philly. And then when I started looking at Frank, and obviously I didn't really know all the things because, you know, when you're getting drafted and stuff, there's 32 guys. I didn't talk to the Colts at all before. So then I started looking at Frank's history and I said, dang, like I can make this work. Like I thought I was going to Philly and I still really did end up here because we got their coordinator. And I think that was just, you know, kind of my brief thoughts and uh, just how I came in just with the right mindset and hopeful. With folding clothes, huh? Folding clothes. Mm-hmm. You were yeah, I was folding clothes, clothes. Like, I, was, I, was, I was a little bit mad. I'm not going to lie. Because even uh, that was a year, like, you know, like a couple of teams I thought were going to draft me. Some stuff happened. They traded up and like had to get other positions. So, yeah, I was a little bit mad about it, but it's all right. That's kind of why I picked four times. That's why I picked 42, my first number. Nice. There was eight running backs ahead of me. And, uh, honestly, I didn't get any great number choices here. So, uh, <laughs> uh, we got uh, till 21 got, got open. Didn't you get a text or a call from Tom Rathman that day as well? And I'm sure you didn't – Oh, I'm sure man. it wasn't the first thing in your mind, but he was, like, he was like, hey, if you don't know who I am, Google me. I'm going to be your new coach. Yes. He, was, yeah, he told me about it. He told me about it, and he goes, yeah, I'm Tom Rathman. I play 49ers. So as he's talking to me, I'm looking him up. As soon as the time I have, I play for the 49ers. I'm on speakerphone looking him up. And then he's like, Google me. So I Google him. Then uh, his YouTube highlights come up. And uh, I start looking at what he was doing to people. And I was like, geez, I'm in trouble. I hope he doesn't want me to do that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he was a great coach. Coach Rathman was physical. He was literally how he was, I guess, on the phone. When I met him on day one on the phone, he literally was the exact same that he was the day he retired. So... <laughs> What's your best Rathman story? You've got to have a good one. Man, I have so many Rathman stories. Uh, I don't really, I don't know my best Rathman story. I don't know. I think my best Rathman story would just be kind of impersonating him because he was different, like how he would just tell us certain things. Or uh, I think, honestly, I think my best story was him 
honestly telling me, like, even though I was a small guy telling me how to pass block, I have so many pass blocking stories of him headbutting me in the head with, with my helmet on and him showing me how to do it. Like, so uh, I probably my best. He's not was, wearing a helmet and you are. Yes, and he's he would, still, he would, oh my like, gosh. So I was sure he, the way he used to teach it, we, you know, you put your forehead on the guy's chin or whatever. So he used to do that to me, like, because obviously I'm a shorter guy and I, I played receiver for two years in college. So I didn't get to pass block as much as other running backs coming out. So, like, and you know, Ralph was a hands on coach. So he used to really like, and like headbutt me, like with his head, like crazy. But that's like he would demonstrate and he would always like hit you and be okay. So I think that's probably. And I think his, his demonstrations probably have helped me in life because there's no way to learn, especially in football, other than hands-on and seeing it. <laughs> he, uh, good story. He did the same thing with Frank Reich in his interview with Frank for the job and headbutted Frank on accident in the interview. So and still there got you hired. Go. There you go. <laughs> Frank probably had to cut like his it face. Out. It works out. I'm telling you, Rath was a great guy. <laughs> Rath had his way of doing things. But if you could just not worry about that and get the coaching points done, and don't take personal like you're not supposed to do in the NFL, Raph's a great coach. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we kind of hit on something similar to this earlier, but, you know, when we were talking about, you know, the advice the 50-year player would give, you know, yourself as a rookie player, I'm wondering, thinking back to, you know, there's this whole crew of rookies, you know, hundreds of guys coming in the league this year. What do you think as a rookie in that stage of your life and your career, what was the biggest challenge for you particularly off the field because like your whole life has changed. Right. And now you're on your own and you have all this responsibility, expectations from the team, everything. Um, now people know who you are, et cetera. So just what do you recall? Like as being like the, the, the biggest challenge, the biggest challenge is just your life, like people. Um, first off, it doesn't matter if you're a first rounder or undrafted. As soon as you're going to NFL, everybody thinks you're just a millionaire and rich. <laughs> yeah. Well, y'all know how contracts work. First off, like, most of us aren't rich. We have money and we have to keep working until we can get generational money. And uh, I think really it's just the lifestyle changes. Obviously, you're not going to be in college anymore. So when you leave the building here, you don't have class. You can just do whatever you want to do. I think that's the biggest change, just trying to figure out how you can stay focused. Maybe, you know, have fun a little bit, but not get too carried away. We see a lot of guys get carried away. I think really it's just focusing on, like, you know, your your relationships with people, your girlfriends, and the uh, people asking you for money. Like those are probably the three things and just maintaining a level head. And even though you're having success and, you know, you just got here to remain level headed because you're about to go into the NFL where there's guys who make a lot more money than you. There's guys like when I got here, there's guys like T.Y. Hilton, doesn't matter how good I'm feeling about myself. You're not as decorated as people like that. So you have to take a slice of humble pie, even though everybody in your life outside of the building is kind of hyping you up, telling you how good you are. I just want to just kind of drill down on that just a little bit, because having done this a long time, I've grown to appreciate just like the the difference between, you know, the the top paid guys in the locker room and the guy like yourself as a fourth round pick coming in. You're just like, man, I hope my signing bonus can like, you know, pay my rent. Shoot, you yeah. Know? So Even now I got a contract. I'm still not a top paid guy. It is, I mean, <laughs> right. I got my money, but you know how it is. There's right. quarterbacks and stuff in here. So it makes you like think about it differently, especially coming in the fourth round. Shoot, that's pretty good money. It could be yeah. I could have got drafted later. So it's a, I guess I'm kind of in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like the guys who got a lot of guys who maybe didn't get as much. So I'm kind of in the middle of it. So I guess I kind of see it from that perspective. Yeah. And I think if you if you start to think you've made it, that's probably a dangerous thought process. I'm curious how the contract negotiation was like from your end last summer. You know, they signed Darius to a big extension. They signed Braden Smith. Yours got done, I think, two days before the opener. The day I, I signed the say, contract on September 11th. Yeah. And so we played on the 12th. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
are you a guy that was like, hey, to my agent, like, you just handle it. I don't want to be involved. I want to be involved. And then when you signed, was it relief? Was it motivation? Was it like, I need to go buy this, and treat myself? Or was it like, I remember Peyton Manning's famous words, you know, what are you going to do with all this money? He said, I'm going to go earn it. How did you respond to that whole process? I was going to go earn it. Um, throughout the process, my agent kind of, I didn't really talk to, I didn't really talk to Chris or uh, Frank or much about it. Uh, my agent did it for me. Uh, my agent kind of updated me every couple of days or told me what I needed, to, what he needed to tell me. And then when we got everything done, honestly, that was the worst thing for me. Again, it's signing it the day before. I mean, it's not bad. It was a blessing, but y'all know how I am. As soon as I sign it, I'm like, dang, we got a game tomorrow. Now everybody's going to talk about this contract. I can't go out here and mess up. And I think that's how I was kind of like all last year, just uh, really that uh, obviously you worked, I worked these three years to get this contract, but the three-year contract is in advance of what I'm supposed to do these next three years. And that's what, how I look forward, look, look at it. And I look forward to that challenge of earning every penny that I get. Hmm. Um, now on the field, you know, you have, I think you and, and Frank Reich both have talked about how like you are, you, you prefer to be viewed and he definitely views you as well as your coach as a, you're a standard running back. You are not a gadget player. You're not a, you know, this or that or whatever people want to call you. Um, does that ever make you feel marginalized when you, you hear that? I know that's, I don't think that's something that you love and you have proven, right? You've ri- you've run between the tackles. You've done the whole job description repeatedly year in and year out. And you kind of still get that label. Does it bug you at all? Honestly, in five years, I don't care what nobody has to say about me because at first, if I play running back, I'm too small. Then if I play receiver, my arms are too long or whatever. And then I just start realizing there's a lot of people who have a lot to say about me who aren't doing my job. So really, even when people label me, I really don't care as long as the people in the building. And honestly, most of my life, I've kind of was not struggled, but I've been kind of hearing it, kind of took it to heart. But at this point, I've been hearing I'm too short my whole life. I've been hearing me being 195 pounds about every down back. And all this stuff. So honestly, truthfully, I really don't care. People kind of say what they want to. But at this point in my life, I've been hearing it forever and I kind of don't care. I imagine you were probably a small guy coming up in high school, right? I mean, you, you were probably I mean, in high school. Guy, right? I'm to think. I played a, I played a, my varsity year. I started as a freshman. I played I was five, nine, 160. Probably graduated <laughs> high school at like five, nine, 185. I probably weighed five to 10 pounds more than I did in high school. But honestly, even all these sizes and stuff, that sounds good. But people also, first off, still have to catch me. And then when you do, it's still not hard to tackle me. So even though I'm not a power back, it's not like people are just wrapping me up anyways because they have a whole other problem. So honestly, I'm starting to realize that uh, people, no matter what, people try to put you in a box. And uh, if you don't know who you are in your life, people put a label on you. So I, I don't care what people labels put on me. I don't play like it and I know what I can do. I feel like some of your best runs have been like a gap runs, B gap runs, like the Buffalo playoff game a couple of years ago, like that team, you guys were down. I want to say 10 points in the second half and you had two big runs to pull them back in it. And everyone forgets because it wasn't in the end of the game, but um, favorite win in the last couple of years. And what was the toughest loss in the last couple of years? Um, favorite win. You could say the birthday game in Tennessee. You could say it. I won't. I won't hold it against you. No, I'll say that one. But I think, I think my be- like, I'd say that one. But the best one was Houston. And the last time I went to the playoffs and won my rookie year. Like, mm. and looking back on it now, it's like, dang, Naheem. After my rookie year with Andrew, and you know, that's when Houston beat us and they won the division. We went down there and won. If you said, dang, Naheem, you wouldn't have won a playoff game since then. Like, dang. Like, and then I had to wait two years. We waited two years ago to Buffalo and we lost in the wild card. So I think just 
doing all that. I remember how the plane ride was like, even a plane ride, the plane ride hasn't, well, it was, it's been great, but like just remembering all of that and then uh, realizing like it's a moment you won't get back until. Cause even like Costanzo and Andrew even said that, like, they were like, look, you go to the playoffs and win a game. You never know if you're going to do it again. Like a lot of, like a lot of the older guys kind of told me that and here I am four years now. And we still haven't won a playoff game since then. So, uh, that's really you thought you're gonna be back every year. You thought it's yeah, just, man, it's like, just how it goes. Yeah, a lot of yeah, man. You look at our that. team the past four years since we've been here, man. Every year it was a playoff team, and uh, every year it's, it hasn't been like that. So that's one thing that we're gonna make sure we finish. And then probably the worst loss. It's probably the last one. Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah, Jacksonville. Unless you say different. Uh, Jacksonville is bad, bro. But I mean, we have bad history there, so you can say it's bad, but it's history. <laughs> like until we until we go down there and win, I can't even say it's bad. I'd probably say Baltimore. Baltimore was bad too because it was or Tennessee, but both those just came from not finishing. Like, and that's football is a game of matchups, and Jacksonville's obviously had our number, and we have to figure out how to get that out and figure, find ways because obviously we haven't played good in Jacksonville since what 2014. So outside of that, I would say probably Baltimore because we were up. I was just talking to somebody about this. We're up 22 to three with 12 minutes left. We don't find a way to win that game. And that was. No, actually, the worst one might have been the Saints. The Saints was bad. Actually, I'm changing to that one. I still have. I was at Caesars. Caesars uh, what is it? The Mercedes. I don't know what it's called now. But I was in New Orleans this year. I'm Super still having flashbacks yeah. about that game. Like that just was like was never close. Monday Night Football is 34 to zero. And we score at the end of the game. That was embarrassing. Yeah, both those are bad. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those pride games where your pride really gets checked, doesn't it? The New Orleans game was tough. That was a – I even – that game was, like – that game was so bad. Like, we even – Rad, like, our meeting even started different. Like, even Rad, like, he just told us straight up, like, yeah, we we wanted dogs in here. Y'all playing, like, a bunch of spoiled girls. Like, he just said, like, something (laughs) like that, like a bunch of spoiled girls or whatever he said. Actually, put that part out. But he said some uh, very, very explicit words to us. (laughs) That doesn't sound like Rathman at all. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. like, to start that meeting before we even turn on the film, he said some very, very explicit words to us. And uh, that's probably about the next week we played so well at Carolina because we really, uh, after that game, we really got checked. And it was, Mm. it was real. Mm. Um, So here's something I'm wondering about. This kind of, kind of random but like going back to what i said earlier about like when you're when you come into the league you kind of have to manage yourself and be responsible one of the things you have to do is you have to manage like your your lifestyle and your body and what you eat and and all those kinds of things um i have i remember ty hilton telling us probably halfway through his career he was still eating like lucky charms and like shit like that you know it's like dude it's good for you though okay i don't believe you but whatever i mean so like (laughs) I eat a lot of cereal. Like uh, they, one of the number one things I eat is cereal or rice or spaghetti because all those, even sugars, is carbs. Uh-huh. Okay, like, well, what like, cereals, though? Uh, uh, Frosted Flakes, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, uh, Lucky Charms. Okay. Did you clear this with the Colts dietitian? <laughs> yeah. I talk, so I talked to Rusty. The, uh, you know, the, he's a guru. We call him, yes. I call him Beanie. So he's the one that told me to eat Frosted Flakes. He even gave me the story of Devin Hester. So he was working with Devin Hester. He told me he used to feed Devin Hester to sh- uh, sugar and make him eat Frosted Flakes and stuff. So oh ever God. since he told me that's what he does with Devin Hester, I mean, I've kind of been on it because I'd like to be Devin Hester. And then uh, I kind of talked to my nutritionist, and, you know, she starts talking about reading the labels and stuff. And uh, it, it all seems to check out so far. Okay, see, now I'm glad I asked. Okay, so, <laughs> so, and so it's uh, better. But some you're burning a lot of calories, eat. right? That's part yeah. of it, I guess. Right. And cereal's easier to eat than, let's say, like a steak or something. Like sometimes a pregame meal, I'm not even hungry. So if I can eat, yeah. eat some cereal, get the milk, because the milk is a protein. 
the cereals, the carbs, and your sugars and stuff. And then you drink you an, some up another protein shaker, a Gatorade protein shake and stuff. And that's a liquid diet. So you don't even have to cause all of it. Look, all look, all athletes, you know, like sometimes on Sunday, you can't eat the way you want to eat. Yeah. I don't, I don't think Darius eats before the game at all. I don't hardly eat at all. Like sometimes, like it's not even like even now, it's like now it's in the fifth year, it's nerves, but it's like I don't know why I can't eat. So at sometimes, like either you have to go liquid diet, like you have to drink some naked, the naked drinks, mm-hmm. uh, eat some cereal, protein shakes. I've done that a lot. Interesting. What, <laughs> what about like uh, recovery? That's like, I mean, you take such a beating, especially at your position. And you what take you- this stuff seriously. You've told yeah. me about this before. Yeah, you know, I mean, like Darius is sleeping in a hyperbaric chamber, you know, with his ankle last year. Oh, OK. So I go, to, I, go to, I go to Darius' house and use use his. Really? Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think uh, really with that, with recovery, it's kind of just um, how knowing your body. Like for me, I get a lot of needles. Uh, I get two or three massages a week. Uh, Rusty's currently stretching me. And I normally have a rule that, like, every day when I run, before I leave, somebody has to rub my legs. Like, this is how I am. I like to keep my babies, my the moneymakers <laughs> right. So that's kind of what I do. And then even when I go home, I take an Epsom salt bath every day and watch film or whatever I do. But that's a good time to go home and just relax for 20 minutes and just decompress. Naheem, did you have an idea last year? I remember watching training camp and, and thinking to myself, JT and Michael Pittman are the, are the best players on this offense right now. Did you have a sense that, JT was going to bust out like he did. Like, you know, the position, you see it every day. Did you see 1,800 yards or was it just an explosion? So, absolutely. I mean, uh, oh, Amber's calling. Uh, yeah, no, um, yeah, I saw it. I mean, shoot, let's be real. He, we start out better on the ball better the first two games. He has 2,000 yards. So, uh, yeah, from my, from uh, 2020 to 2021, I knew the jump would be big. Everybody saw it. Um, First off, he's a running back. We like to run the ball. So you know the opportunities are coming, especially just going off of 2020, 2020 going to 2021. We, we already like, okay, this rookie's legit. Like, he's going to get some more carries this year. Then, you know, he starts rolling. You know, we looking, we're looking at it now. Like, we had nine, 10 games in a row where he had like 130, 150, 200 yard games. And uh, we all saw it. <laughs> Great player. And Pittman, yeah, we, we, we saw it. Like, with Pittman, obviously, as a receiver, you can see the ability early. You just have – as a receiver, it's a little bit different than running back because so many more route techniques, so much more out wide. You know, it's so many more routes and things that you have to come around to, whereas running back, you have to figure out protection. And then once you figure out the run scheme, you get the ball and you do what you, you do, what you do, which JT's very good at. But Pittman, to see him step into the role he is now has been great, even his routes and just seeing how he's leading some of the other guys because this is second or third year. Wait, is it third year? It's third year. It's going to be his third. It's yeah. third year, and he's out there acting like he's year five and six helping out other guys who may be our age or older if he, if he sees it, and that's where he's stepping into the number one and a leader position. Now, speaking of veteran players, um, I'm curious about your new quarterback, Matt Ryan, and and just what your interactions with him have been like. You know, we've we've seen a lot of comparisons to Peyton Manning, not as a player, but as – the way they conduct themselves. What's it been like, you know, that you guys are starting to kind of get out on the field and work together, lots of meetings, et cetera. Uh, what are your first impressions? It's been a pleasure to work with him so far. Uh, one thing that stands about him, he's deadly accurate. Like you could probably be 30 yards away and be like, Matt hit this sign. I think he'll hit it on the money. <laughs> so, uh, I, and then really he's very, very intense and he's a great guy. But uh, the coolest thing about him is just seeing him interact with everybody. Like he'll go in there and after the practice, he'll dap us up and he sees a coaching point or something. He'll tell us there. If something comes to his mind, he'll tell us. And uh, he's just on it. And we're on that field. That's He's a commander. He's telling us how we want things. And uh, 
one thing that's cool about Matt is like even he talks about our routes, but he even talks about what he needs to do. He'll be like, "Yo, on this route, you got to do this," but then after that, I got to give you a good ball and put it on my on your front shoulder or whatever he has to do, and then he does it. So I think with him, it's uh, I obviously I didn't play with Peyton, but he gives me real like Philip Rivers vibes. It's uh, mm-hmm. you know, we play with a lot of quarterbacks. He's an old veteran guy coming in. He's hungry, very very hungry. Uh, he got he has a lot of juice left in the tank, and I think he's gonna lead us and be great to us. He's, he seems demanding, which in a good way. It's like, it's like yeah, it's demanding like how Philip was. I, I don't know yeah. how Peyton was, but I know when yeah. Philip came in here, Philip probably knew the offense a little bit better, but like mm-hmm. he demands and uh, it's not a bad demand, but it's like, oh, we got a sure. curl out. We got a curl out. We need to do this, 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 this. And then the ball's coming and we got to do them things. And he'll let you know what it is. And when we don't do it, he'll remind you and hold you accountable. And if you, and he's one of the quarterbacks. Look, if you got to stay out there and practice and do that a hundred times, he'll do it until we get it right. And that's one thing he has. He has a great work ethic. Awesome. Now, Hima, I know you're a uh, we know you're a team guy and your role has fluctuated the last couple of years. And you've been asked about this. And Frank and, and Ursay and, and Chris, they've all talked about getting you more action next year. We we talked about this before. How do you balance the two sides of it between like you want to win, like you want to be a team guy and you know that you have JT in front of you and, and he's going to get a bulk of the carries with also like the season didn't end well last year. You didn't get as many touches as you wanted. And the team is better when you're more involved. How do you balance those discussions and that sort of dilemma where it's like, hey, if you get me more involved, we're going to have more success. I think that's been proven over time. Yeah, well, I mean, some of the discussions, I think my agent just talks to him. And then uh, I, we talk and uh, I try not to talk to Frank too much. Well, I, right now we have a good understanding of what we both want and both sides of the goals. And uh, after that, we kind of just, I guess, I'm trying to think of the word, kind of like goal set. And then after that, we really don't have much to talk about because I'm don't. i not going to be in Frank's face while he has a whole game to call and off-season plan to do. And then after that, I just pray to the Lord. And one thing I do know is uh, I pray to the Lord and I go out there every day and uh, I'm going out there trying to kill everybody because if there's any doubt and they don't want to call it, I'm going to give them, I'm going to go out there and try to give them a reason to call the play. That's how the NFL works. It doesn't matter. I mean, the roles and stuff, the roles and stuff fluctuate, but when you go out there and put stuff on tape every day, you just have to uh, you just have to keep working until you don't have to introduce yourself no more. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at with it. It doesn't matter kind of what my role is. I'm going to go out there and earn it every day and practice and make the defense pay. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Do you, um, do you enjoy the, or let me rephrase that. Um, does it appeal to you to, to play a little more of a standard receiver role? Not like full time, but I'm saying, but like, if you, I don't know who your slot receiver is. Maybe it's you, you know, for somewhat, right? Could I be. don't know. Like, no does that appeal to you? Receiver. No. I don't even care if I move to receiver. I mean, I play running back. I'm not the biggest guy. Who knows? If I play 10 years, I might have to 
And uh, for me, I think with me, uh, options are always open. Uh, one thing is I do. One thing I want to do is make this team better. If I have the mood to receive to do that, if that's what I have to do to me, for me to be on the field with JT more, that's what I got to do. I mean, yeah. I've always been one of those players that uh, obviously I'm not a starter. And uh, even in college, my role is different. So I've always been one of those guys that got to just do what they got to do. So I'm going to do what I got to do to make sure I'm out on that field and get the ball. What is uh what is one thing we don't know or the fans don't know about Jonathan Taylor or T.Y. Hilton or Quentin Nelson? T.Y.'s name is Eugene. <laughs> his birthday, we're both Scorpios. His birthday is November 14th. His birthday is two days from on. Wait, are you November uh, 12th? Uh-huh. Uh, you're in good company. This guy. <laughs> There you go. My guy. See, I, you know what? See. I liked you guys. You, y'all, y'all been some of my favorite guys over the years. I've always liked y'all. You were uh, meant Quentin to be Nelson. on this podcast. See? Let's see. <laughs> Quentin Nelson. Quentin Nelson likes red wine. He's a red wine guy. I, I would have suggested Bud Light. Okay. I didn't know that. I mean, he, that I I mean, did he, not know. I mean no, no he, no. he does like his Bud Lights. But like, okay. He, just making sure the world is still. Okay. No, 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 no. Just making sure all is good. Yeah, but no. Nah, he, he likes some red wine. All right. Uh, okay. What was the last person? Uh, uh, JT, JT. Is, is JT as nice as he seems? Because he seems like he's like the nicest guy ever. JT's nice. No, JT's a great guy. Nice. He's probably nicer than me. Like, I want to just hear junk. like a story about. I talk J- more junk than JT. Uh, I, I want somebody to like give me a story about Jonathan Taylor being an asshole like once in his life. Okay, like. Okay, so, I'll give you, so it's not him being an asshole, but I'll give you <laughs> something that's probably some good content. Um, I can't remember what game it was. It was. Probably like week eight or week. I don't know. There was one. Oh, it was Houston. We played Houston at home. Uh, JT was obviously having a good year. And uh, I think it's when, isn't Houston like when JT really first start kind of going off? Like the Houston, the Houston one. Uh, All I remember it was last year. Last uh, 2021. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, Like he had a good, he might have had a good game before them, but Houston was like really the first game where he started going off, right? Yeah. Okay, so this it okay, was, it was definitely at the at the front end of that stretch. Yeah, that was the front end. Yeah. So okay, this is yeah. this is a good story. So JT obviously JT was going off that game, and then uh, I remember I think in the third or fourth quarter he has a touchdown. He scores a touchdown, and the guy hits him like tries to you know he misses DB hits him like DB hits him, and JT kind of like he doesn't look at him, but you know you know how the NFL is. he kind of went like that and flexed, and I was like dang like this is the first time I seen JT kind of do anything like that. Like he must not be in, he must not he must think he's back in Wisconsin. I only right. told him that I was like, dang, okay, so I see you're flexing now. Like you think you're back at Wisconsin. He kind of <laughs> smiled at me and then you know proceeded to the proceeded to go crazy the rest of the year. I think that was kind of the coolest things. He was like, I got a good week this week, Heem. Like he always calls me Heem. He's like, Heem, I think I might go for 150 this week. I'm like, I think he So he too. does, he does know how good he is. Okay. No, it's not that he says it's a good opportunity. I might have said 150, but he's like, Heem, I think it's a good week. He always says he never says a yard. Right. He'll be like, Heem, I think I'm gonna break one this week. So he's feeling it when he's feeling yeah, it. He'll, he'll feel it. Like, you know how running yeah. backs, like, even the Panthers day, like, I had a feeling like a good day. Sometimes you know. Yeah. Like, so some yeah. days, like, the Houston day, he was like, he, like, I'm going to break one today. Then he flexed. I was like, okay, he's back in Wisconsin. Yeah. And then he kind of joked, and then he proceeded to, you know, have the 1,800 or 2,000 all-purpose scrimmage yards. And, wow. Yeah, I mean, when you're when you when you're a guy who touches the ball, and you know this, right, you, you have days, you have moments when you feel it, right? I mean, it's like – it's a basketball thing, right? And I guess yep. like when you're hot, like right? some days so. even football, I like, I wake up and I just know I'm going to have a good day. Like Tennessee mm-hmm. on my birthday. Like I woke up that day and I was like, Oh, I just, there are a couple of games this year. I like Tennessee and the Panthers game for sure. Like as soon as I just touched the field, it just felt right. Gotcha. So yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure JT has, well, I mean, every week was like that for JT, but I'm sure JT has days like that as well. <laughs> so this is a very random question, but I know this happens. 
how often do people either on social media or in person bug you about fantasy football? Oh, I hate fantasy football because of <laughs> I figured. Yeah, so all, all the, the time. Can, yes, like um you can look at my Instagram comments right now and somebody's talking about it. Like I remember uh, Houston, we won Houston, we won the Houston game in the playoffs in the wild card game. I remember I posted a picture and somebody was like zero yards rushing, like zero carries. Like, are you at least gonna try to have impact on the game? Dude, I can't control if I get the ball or not. And like I get stuff like that all the time. And uh, actually, the coolest thing about fantasy football is now apparently the Panthers game I had won a lot of fantasy football championships. So I, I got I raised some money for MDA and donated some money. But more times than not, I hate it because, you know, people are talking about all the stuff I didn't do. You know, I'm not a starter. So, like, you know, some of my production is based on just how crazy JT goes. So days JT goes crazy. I mean, I mean, I guess me touches. But, you know, on fantasy football, I got to hear about it. <laughs> but then there are other games where you – might score three touchdowns, right? And like you're a fantasy hero, so oh yeah, yeah I'm I su- get. I'm it. sure people hate me because uh, right, they don't right, know. What, right. I don't know what I'm gonna do that day, and they don't either. So I'm sure, like, <laughs> I'm a wild card. I'm sure people probably hate playing me. What is uh, what is one thing that like the general public doesn't know about what it's like to be an NFL player during the season? Because they just oh, see you on Sundays and they just oh, expect you to be out there. Oh, oh, yeah, this is one thing people don't know. Yeah, it's an everyday job. Like I'm here from eight to six every day. People don't really. People think we just wake up and go to football. Like, I wake we wake up, we have walk through, we wake, we, okay, so basically we wake up, we have meetings to get ready to practice, so we meet about practice, we walk through the practice, practice, then have film to go over the stuff they win in practice, and that takes, like, 8.45 to, like, 6. You do that Wednesday and Thursday, Friday, you have another day. I think that's what people don't realize, like, you work 40 hours, I'm, like, in the building 40 hours a week, probably, just like the regular American, and people just think, like, we just play football for fun. It's an actual job. Yeah. yeah. And it feels like it too, even though I love it, it feels like a job. <laughs> right. I mean, you got to be on time. You got, you got places. And, to oh, be and they find us and they find us if we're late. Like your phone call of the meetings, that's a fine. Like, and it's not like $500. It's probably like, if you're late, it's like $2,000. Like you missed the plane and you're late, you're late, you're late, you're late for the plane. It's like 20. I don't know how much it is because nobody's got it, but I know it's like two or $3,000. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's notoriously late? I don't know, man. Do we want to say this on the podcast? Yeah. Screw it. I'll say I'm, I'm, not not notoriously I'm, not late. Notori- I'm not notoriously late, but I'm one of the last guys always out there, but I'm never late. <laughs> okay. That's what matters. I wouldn't football, be for three football, grand. Everybody's like five or 10 minutes early. So y'all, y'all know how practice is. If we have right. practice at 130. Everybody's out there at 120. Unfortunately, I'm that guy that's probably going to run out at like 127, 128. <laughs> but you're not giving out any money. So that's the important. Oh, thing. no, I, I'm not late. I, that's, I'm consistent. Like I've been, I've been doing that for five years now. I've been consistent with being like three minutes early. <laughs> favorite part of the season and least favorite part of the season least part least favorite part oh training camp yeah 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 training camp you know like just hot pads like look i already know like i hope hopefully i play a long time but i already know when i'm gonna retire i'm gonna retire when i just don't want to do the training camp anymore training camp's hard and training camp sets the tone but you know You've been working out, and then you got to go out there. You have three-hour practice or two-hour practice. Then you're there. What were we there, like eight to eight or eight to nine, like 12-hour day? <sighs> That's the hardest part. Uh, What's my – I don't know. My favorite part of the season? Kickoff? Probably the first game of the year, but honestly, it'd probably just be bye week, honestly. <laughs> it's, not even, it's not even the fact that I get – it's not even the fact that I don't love football. It's the fact that, like, you just have training game, which is four weeks. Then you got – a 17-week season, that's 20-something weeks from July to January we play football. Yeah. So it's just great to have that one weekend or, you know, you get to go see your family, decompress, 
Because once you get in the season mode, you almost feel like a robot. Like I wake up every Monday, do the same thing every Tuesday, Wednesday, and bye weeks that one time where you get to break that and feel like not human, but you just get to do your own thing and uh, just relax. Hmm. Um, we'll wind this down, but uh, I'm, I'm curious about just like a lot of random things. Uh, did you have a favorite player growing up? And if so, why? Who was it? Mm-hmm. I had a couple of favorite players. Uh, Steve Smith was one of my favorite players uh, mm-hmm. growing up. Just uh, Steve Smith and Steve Smith and Warwick Dunn were probably the first guys I watched that were my size. And like mm-hmm. looking at my dad and my mom, they're both the same height. I kind of always knew I was going to be the size and height I was. I didn't know how fast I was going to be. So I think a Warwick Dunn was probably my favorite player, like as a younger kid, especially watching him play with Algie Crumpler and Mike Vick. And uh, Steve Smith and Warwick Dunn were probably the first two guys that uh, I really was like, oh, this is short guys I can play that I saw. And then uh, even now, I mean, I got a lot of guys, but I, I like so Tyreek Hill's probably my favorite player. Like, I was going to ask you who, you, who like, you like watching. Like, yeah, who, who I you love watching Tyreek Hill. I love watching Tyreek Hill. Hopefully I'll get some of those looks, but uh, I'm not going to lie. I don't watch football all the time, but every time the Chiefs play, I've always watched him and Kelsey. And uh, yeah. I like all the speeches. Like, I like Jalen, but uh, Tyreek Hill is definitely – been probably my favorite guy to watch uh, on film and Debo because obviously Debo does a lot of things that I would like to do. Right. So it's, it's pretty cool watching them suit those two guys. Never. It seems like you never worried about your size, like holding you back. It seems like for, even from an early age, you were just like, like I can yeah, do it. Because, like, yeah. Because everybody talks about it. my size. Yeah. Because everybody who talks about my size has obviously never been as fast as I've been. So it, it sounds good, but like you have to like, that's why I say I don't really care about the size and stuff because even if you do catch me, if we're one-on-one, you still have a hard time tackling me. Just like JT, you're scared of JT running you over. I'm not the hardest person. I'm not the easiest person to tackle even if you get your arms on me. I, I run hard. So uh, that's probably why I've never really been worried about it because my whole life I've always been fast and my size has actually never hindered me my whole life. It's just been words that have hindered me about my size, but it's actually never affected my play or stopped me from anything I want to do in my life. That's why I'm in the NFL. So that's how I just kind of feel about it. And at this point, if I had a dollar for every time somebody talked about my joke, I'd have trillions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> or call my arms shorter, just said something like that. So it's cool. Right, right. That's cool. Um, so this, I know we've referenced this a few times, but like, you know, whenever you do get tired of going to training camp and you decide you're going to do something else, what, uh, have you continued giving thought to like what the future holds for you? Because I know you've, you've, thought about this a lot um what what are your thoughts these days on that <laughs> yeah i still do want to own a bojangles if that's what everybody's wondering <laughs> hey as long as you give us a discount man hey i will yeah, be I, there look actually i was driving to nashville and i stopped at the closest one in louisville so i was just thinking about it like <laughs> dang we need one two hours closer but uh i think that's still in play i think that's probably like after my career uh everybody's been asking me for four years do i own one or there's a lot of misconception that's something i probably will have to do after my nfl career just to settle down and focus and figure that out and um Honestly, working-wise, uh, once my career's over, I like to be an analyst. So uh, I like to go on ESPN, talk Monday Night Football, and uh, maybe maybe be on a podcast. I'm not sure if I'm good like you guys, but I think I just want to look at the film and do breakdowns and play-by-play. Well, look, there's a reason uh, we you, requested you, man. So. You'd be great at it. You'd <laughs> yeah. be great at it. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to get my practice in now. So uh, actually, the spring game this year, I, I was on – I was I did a couple of – I did a drive or two. So I uh, started trying to get my foot in the door and uh, work my way up and figure out things. I'll probably be calling you guys soon for some pointers. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the shoe will be on the other foot. I like it. Yeah. So this is great, man. Um, yeah. So just last thing, I guess, would just be, um, do you ever get a feel for a team like this time of year? I know we're so far away from opening day, right? But like, all we can do is look at a team on paper. Do you have a feeling about this team? Does it feel like you guys have something? Do you Can you tell? 
Uh, I don't say I'm a feel for team, but I like to think, I don't know. I, I'll go back to the quarterback. I mean, I got a good feeling about the quarterback. I'm not saying I'm not jinxing him or anything, but I've been around a lot of quarterbacks and I think this is a good guy. Even uh, throughout the year, you never know how good how, te- how good the team will be because, you know, injuries and all that thing, but all those things. But playing with a lot of quarterbacks, you can tell when you got an elite guy who's special and you can take you places. And that's kind of where I'm at. I'm not sure how good the team is, mm-hmm. will be, but I know that the guy in the center will be very, very good to us, get us in the right place and help us win some games. That's awesome. It's that's crazy awesome. how that all worked out. That's crazy. Like for those 10 days, like – Who's it going to be? Oh, it's going to be Matt Ryan. Like, wow. Like, they kind of got lucky. Like, I didn't think that I'm was so happy. Happen. I didn't even pay attention to it. People were calling me about it. I promise you, after Jacksonville, I didn't even think about football for like a good <laughs> month or two. I just went off and didn't even look at football. <laughs> I just had to get away from it. it. Yeah. Yeah, after yeah. Jacksonville was tough. So, yeah, it was really, really tough. <laughs> yeah, thank you man we get it we were there <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah we didn't get to check out either that's the thing yeah yeah I, yeah y'all had to come here and do it all week i got i left on wednesday so <laughs> i get it i get it so we won't have that again we need to change that luck too i think that's one of the things that i don't know about um us but that's one thing i would love to do is change that history because i'm owing like at least all the guys that we're owing for there we we've played every rocks and one so that's one thing i'm definitely excited for is to go down there and uh obviously they've had our number so Mm-hmm. They got some momentum. They got they got a, and they have a great team coming in too. On paper, they look like a really really good team, and they will be a good team. They're a tough team. They're a physical team. So uh, definitely gonna look. Yeah, there's no to way. Them. There's no way you guys overestimate that going into this year. I don't care what the we, record is. Like there's no first way. Of all, I'm not gonna lie to you. There's a misconception. We've never underestimated there because we've right. never won there. Like ever since we had Andrew Luck and went down there and lost six to zero, I have yet to underestimate the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> That's a crazy <laughs> just, game. That's crazy. Yeah, only I think fans think we do, but I promise you, we don't take any opponent lightly. They, especially them. It's right. just we don't play well there for whatever reason, and we're gonna change that. All right, I'll hold you to it. Yes, All right, sir. man. Really, so Thank appreciate this, Naheem. This is great. Um, hope the listeners enjoyed it. Um, so hey, he won't be our only. Uh, prominent guests here in the next couple weeks either so uh, we won't spoil the surprise but we got somebody else lined up for you guys so hey thanks for listening guys I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer with Naheem Hines Colts running back damn it okay (laughs) (laughs) don't forget it (laughs) and we appreciate you joining us Naheem thank you guys for listening and this is 1% better